major news. White Wine Question Time is going live. We're doing three shows in London's West End in the autumn. I can't believe it. And we've got some incredible guests lined up for you. So on Saturday, the 18th of September at the Leicester Square Theatre, uh, we will be doing a show with Craig Revel Hallwood. Yeah. Just as you can smell the sequence of Strictly as it comes back to our screen. Then on the 9th of October, I can't believe they've all agreed to do this, but we're reuniting the cast of Grain Chills. So I've got Todd Carty, Tucker, Lee McDonald, Zamo, and Alison Valentine, who played Faye, and there'll be more to be announced. And then finally, on Saturday, the 13th of November, the cast of Dunbreeding. So Tracy Ann Oberman, Julie Graham, Tamsin Outhwaite, Denise Welsh, Julie Newman will all be joining us to do a live show. Tickets are on sale now, available from the Live Nation website, Ticketmaster, or wherever you get your tickets. Come and see us! Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And this week, we've got something rather special for you. We're taking a little holiday, but that doesn't mean that we're not here for the ear. Yes, Stand by, we've compiled for this episode some of the standout funniest moments from recent shows. And we're going to kick things off with a story that shouldn't be funny because it involves a dead cat. But my, oh my, it made me laugh. Will Meller is here to explain. The thing was, the cat had been missing for about seven or eight months. And, And it was a Bengal. So Bengals... If you get one that looks like the tiger, you know, they get the, you get the, we had a white one and we had a ben, another one, both Bengals. And, uh, and they're quite semi-wild. So we, we do, I don't like keeping cats in the house because I think it's a bit tight. So I said, we should just let, let them run and they'll come back. And he kept coming back and then Leo, his name was, and then he just he kept going for longer. So he'd go for two weeks and then he'd come back and he used to, we used to get a phone call from the old people's home. Uh, we've got your cat, Leo, and we'd come and pick him up. And then he'd, and he's just, I think he just loved attention. So what can I do? So, and then it was gone seven or eight months. And I thought, well, he's not coming back. And then someone um, got a, a phone call, I think, or someone came to the gate from the from the vet saying, we've got your cat, Leo. So my daughter was over the moon. Um, so I, I came home and Leo turned, and he, he looked a lot, he looked a bit different. He was a bit more shaggy and a bit like he'd been sleeping rough. You know what I mean? And I thought, well, that's possible. <laughs> and his meow was wrong. He was going like that. And I thought, it doesn't sound well. So I took him to the vets and they, they, they diagnosed that he, he had throat cancer, uncurable. And they said, the best thing we've got to do is put him down. And I said, we've only just got him back. My daughter's over the moon. And I had a, I had a chip on my cat. And then I said, they said, oh, it's Leo, definitely Leo. And I said, but that's not my address. And they said, it's, the chips can get corrupt. And I thought, that sounds strange. And now I know they just wanted someone to put that cat down because what's happened is I've took him... I've took the cat home. We had one more day with it. I took the cat back in the basket and I was honestly crying my eyes out because I, I, I love animals and stuff like that. And I, I, I put him in and, and, and honestly, I was that bad at the reception. The lady said, do you want to go into the other room? <laughs> I, was, I was crying. And me, I was in the relative's room sobbing. Uh, I just felt so bad that I was doing this to an animal. Anyway, I come home with the empty basket and I, I got the ashes, put them on the mantelpiece. And then, like you said, a couple months later, we got a phone call. We've got your cat, Leo. He's been run over. I said, you haven't. My cat's on the mantelpiece. And they said, oh, no, we've checked. It's your address. This. So I looked and I thought, well, who's that on my mantelpiece then? Who have I, who have I put down? Um, 
and it was Leo, and his back leg had been God. crushed and stuff. And the thing was, my daughter's, my daughter's going mad. Oh, he's back from the dead, oh, Leo! And I was like, <laughs> the vet's telling me I've got to put him down. And they said, listen, what we usually do with the injury, he's got. So I said, I can't do that. My daughter thinks he's come back from the dead. I've, it cost me thousands in vet bills. Oh, do you know how much it is to put a cat on a drip overnight? Unbelievable, more than a human. <laughs> Honest to God. So I've, I've kept him alive. We've, we've, we've looked after him, we've nurtured him. I've got a case for him so he can't stand up on his back legs. The operation didn't go right. That's why have it redone. Thousands <laughs> it cost me. Then he's strong enough to walk. We'll let him out of the cage. The door window's open. He jumps out the window. He's been gone ever since. I've not seen him since. No! <laughs> he's gone. Gone. <laughs> Use me. Use me. Cost me a fortune. He's gone. <laughs> Oh my god! And now god. I've, I've still got that cat on my mantelpiece. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know who it is. I don't know. I've got, I've got it, some cats' ashes. Been... I don't know who they are. <laughs> You've been catfished by your own cat. Exactly. Seriously, man. <laughs> Honestly, I hope I don't see him again. Seriously, I, I don't want it because I'm fuming with him. I do all that, and he just goes seen a bit. Cheers for that. <laughs> Up next, it's the singer Jack Savaretti, whose best laid plans blew up horribly in his face when he tried to win back the love of his life. He split up with his girlfriend, realised the error of his ways and had begged her to meet with him. She said no, she wasn't interested. He carried on, he campaigned. Eventually, she agreed. The date was at the Serpentine. What he had planned, dropping down on one knee. What ensued was total character assassination. We celebrated 10 years last summer. We're celebrating 11 wow. years next week, this weekend. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. And, 11, and why yeah. the Serpentine? The Serpentine? I, I don't know why I chose the Serpentine, actually. I mean, it's, it's, it's classy. It's beautiful. It's, and my wife is a wonderful artist. So I think it was me desperately trying to impress her and yeah. trying to sort of... It wasn't actually in the Serpentine. It was outside. And I'll never forget, she was 40 minutes late. So we, I was supposed to meet, it was like on a Sunday at 12 o'clock. She wasn't talking to me. She said she didn't want to talk to me. And I said, okay, well, in a week, I, like in next Sunday, I'll be at the Serpentine at 12 o'clock. I'd love to, to see you and to talk to you. And at 12.30, she still wasn't there. And this kind of, and I had this ring burning a hole in my pocket. And this Hollywood, this Hollywood sort of movie that I had of getting back the love of my life kind of was shattering slowly, slowly, one piece at a time. And she arrived in a black cab and she got out and and she basically massacred me for two hours straight. I want a horrible person I am. So this love actually moment really wasn't going to plan. Total annihilation, getting it all off her chest. And I to the point where I thought maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe I maybe I'm uh, and, take the ring back. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they take if they take refunds. Uh, no, and then as we were leaving the Serpentine, because um, we were actually leaving, I didn't find the courage to do it then and there because it just didn't feel appropriate after this sort of massacre for two hours. <laughs> but then as we were leaving, as we were leaving, she just looked magnificent. And we, we, she had one giggle. She did one laugh. I said something and made her laugh again because it had been pretty brutal up until then. And the minute I heard that laugh, I was like, I remember, I remember always thinking, what's the big deal in films about proposals? It's not... It's terrifying. I couldn't open the ring box. Like I actually, 
couldn't do it. Like I, I, I remember, I always say this to people, like you'll never, to friends of mine who are going to do it, I was like, you think you're going to be cool at this. It's really, it's the hardest, like the scariest thing I think I've ever done. Um, and yeah, she actually had to open the box because I couldn't do it because my hands were trembling. Um, yeah. And I take it she said yes straight away or she or, said or she, not. Whis- she whispered yes. She whispered yes. And I always remember it because it was as if she hadn't really made her mind up yet. It was like a sort of reflex rather than a thought out decision. I think she still kind of sometimes questions. She probably should have thought about it a little bit longer. <laughs> I think she just saw the ring and said yes. Like, and then she sort of hadn't really contemplated that she was going to be stuck with me for the rest of her life. So uh, I was lucky that her, her instincts got the better of her. <laughs> oh, I like that. And I like that you still went there after what sounds like a complete character assassination. Complete. Which hasn't stopped for the last, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it's, it's pretty continuous. I can safely say she keeps me very grounded. Very grounded. <laughs> One of our most recent guests was the singer, songwriter and poet Amelda May. And she literally charmed the birds from my proverbial tree with tales of growing up with a wildly eccentric and very large family in Ireland. But the thing that really got me bent over double wiping tears from my eyes were the tales of her family holidays. Your dad would say to you like, right kids, do you want a nice meal or do you want to have rolls and go to Morocco? And you don't yes. say, Morocco! Morocco. <laughs> and, and how did you get to Morocco? We'd, um, there was a, there was a, like the, the earliest boat, there was a little early boat and we went on, on the early boat. We were in France or Spain or somewhere. And we always got the earliest ones or the latest ones because they were they were cheaper. In your car, in your family car. In the family car, although that they always broke down, so Dad was always underneath the cars, and he'd befriend people. And my mom, and we end up. I remember when we were in Morocco. I think we ran out of money or something, and we ended up this antique dealer. We were getting chased down the road by somebody. I don't know why I was young. Maybe they didn't, hadn't got enough to pay for, but I don't know. And this, they got chatting to this antique dealer earlier that they were all just looking, saying, oh my God, your place is amazing. You're doing a great job. What a wonderful <laughs> person you are. And he said, come here and brought us in. And then he brought us down to this lovely restaurant and brought us all dinner. And another time we <sighs> broke down in France and the mayor of the town hired a car for the family so we can uh. drive back and then ship our car back. That we're, uh. My mum and dad used to just make friends with people and I think they just fell in love with them and everything always turned out okay. Honestly, reading your interviews, talking about your childhood, I just desperately want to be a member of your family. I want to know them. I want to have dinner with them. I want your... They're great. They, they sound so... in. They're just fueled by adventure. Yes. Uh, or certainly the way you tell it. Because didn't you, there was five of you kids. How did you get five kids in a regular car? Well, there was four in the back. And then we used to split the time between the fifth one. either had to lie across. And, <laughs> and then it was my brother's time. We'd open the window and his feet would stick out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was the youngest. What often happened was mum used to put a little area from me in the footwell of where she sat. So I used to sit in there. And dad has had this thing 
where we used to do, and he wanted to do a bit of health and safety. We'd no seatbelts around. So yeah. he used to just shout, emergency, and we'd have to dive down just to practice. And that was his health and safety with your brother's feet hanging out the window. Emergency, we dipped down and we often laughed later on, thinking, imagine being in the car behind where there's seven people and all of a sudden one. <laughs> and then seven again. <laughs> it's brilliant. It was just, but it was longer. Once actually, I remember for a while, quite a while, because dad always had the old car, second hand cars. I remember the windscreen wipers um, stopped working one way. One way, they went that way, but not that way. So <laughs> my dad tied a string to them and put it through into my mum, and then it would go like that, and my mum would pull it. <laughs> we go like that, and would pull it, and we left them for months like that. Mum pulling the string. I said, "You can't do this. This is a sitcom. Why have you not written this? It's brilliant." I actually, I'm definitely that's on my list of things to do. I want to write. A, a non-fiction comedy, like a real life book. Oh, uh, so good. The madness of it and the, it was just lovely that dad would draw, put a mural up if he wanted and mom was always encouraging him to do these things. They were very creative. Mom's all, made all their clothes and, you know, they were really, they're really special, very special. I'm, I'm very lucky, very blessed to have them brought up in such a, Bonkers house, like you know. Yeah. They encouraged us. My brother decided to make canoes, and they go brilliant. That's a great <laughs> idea. So then, in this tiny house, it was full of canoes. <laughs> balance them on chairs. We'd have to go underneath them to get into the kitchen. <laughs> and then get in the car where you've got to pull the windscreen wipers while your brother's feet are hanging out the charming. Mean, and you, you like when you, you you're talking about these holidays. You used to drive everywhere on these holidays, so. You could be for hours in the car like that, I would imagine, driving across Spain, Germany. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes. We were we were all over the place, yeah, for, for hours and we'd we just loved it. We had a great time. I remember once me my sister fell out of the car and the door was faulty and we went around a really strong turn like that and we all went and when we came up, Adele was gone. The door <laughs> had opened and closed again. And she was back on the road. I was like, Dad, Daddy's going, oh, what? What? We just stop complaining. I was going, these Adele's back there on the hill. <laughs> we just go back and get her. <laughs> She's right. Poor Adele. <laughs> oh well, my god if anybody complains about staycationing this year they need to listen to this and just stick as many family members in a car as possible and do like the maze we had a we had such a great time <laughs> we really did and dad was terrible at putting tents up and they were always not what they looked like on the box there was an orange <laughs> we had and instead of being high it was always low and long <laughs> hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, a few weeks back, we were utterly thrilled and delighted to have E.L. James on the show. E.L. James, Erica is one of the biggest selling authors of all time. She's the creator of the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. And she'd never been on a podcast before. So there was so much I wanted to ask her, especially around how she went about researching the world of erotica and BDSM. And well, just how practical some of her sex scenes were. I mean, how far did she go? You're about to find out. I, I wanted to see people having sex in the car, and I thought, uh, okay, out. Uh, this is an R8. You know, I, I've never sat in an R8, so I, I have no idea. And I rang our local Audi garage and said, you know, there's a sales thing in West London. And I said, uh, hi, I'm writing an erotic novel, blah, blah, blah. Can, can you have sex in an R8? And the guy said, no, 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 absolutely no way. I went, oh, okay. So I wrote the chapter. I thought, oh, I just don't believe that. So I snuck in. <laughs> To, to 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 this place and, and all the cars then this first beautiful Audi R eight was 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 in the in the reception area and I thought mm. and I said to the reception can can you just sit in the cars and, you know and she said yeah go ahead and I sat and I sat sort of sidled in and I just looked at the best best she could totally upset it. I went back and rewrote that. And and then I just just to check on various things. I had a mini at the time, a little mini one, and I, th- I said I just want to try this thing. My poor husband. I mean, he, what he's had to endure. It's, it's like I said, I just want to try this thing. So on <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon, I was sitting on his lap in my mini. I said, right now, you put your feet there, and we were fully clothed and all this. And, and it, there was a football match on. We used to live near Brentford Football Stadium. And these people were walking down the road going, what are those two doing? <laughs> and I was just working out the choreography. It's all about choreography. Just blocking it. Blocking just blocking it. the shots. We were, blocking, yeah. we were blocking, blocking the shots, as it were. So, every day's a school day. Turns out you can get very intimate in the front seat of a fancy Audi. But can you get it on in the Maldives? Well, of course you can. Unless you go on holiday with Denise Van Outen. As a boyfriend, Eddie found out you know it was us we we'd gone away and it was just we was on this island and it was you know paradise and this was another thing so the doors were open and it, it and it was it was just this beautiful night and uh, and i opened the doors up and we had one of those we were very lucky we had one of those those the billies that are in the, the sea bungalow. the water bungalows the doors were open they had the, like the is it the, the muslin drapes that were yeah that were blowing in the wind and i stood outside and it was a full moon and the sea was like diamonds and and I turned and I was just like, oh my God, I love you. And I, I sort of said, Denise, you've got to come out here. I said, you've got to come and see this. I said, I, I feel like I'm, I'm having this magical moment, like very spiritual. And she went, I've seen it before. I'm trying to sleep. Will you shut the doors? <laughs> I have been to the Maldives. <laughs> I was just times. like, I was like, are you kidding me? I just thought he was just standing there, honestly, for ages. And I was just thinking... Oh, my God, I'm going to get bitten to death by mozzies. At that point, I wanted to get her by the feet out of the bed and drag her out and put her in the Indian Ocean. Have some of that. 
Up next, it's Griff Rhys-Jones uh, recounting just how far he's prepared to go in the name of charity when it comes to asking for an arguably impossibly large amount of money from one of the most cantankerous, rude and difficult to get along with people you could ever hope to encounter. Over to you, Griff. I'm working <laughs> to raise money for the hack. I used, to, I used to sit down. And, and can I just point out that you you yeah. you you've pres- you preserved the Hackney Empire. You saved it well, from, we, well, we from being here no more for a yes. long thing. But the way the way those those big preservation you know charity conservation charities happen like this is you go off and you get money from the lottery fund and all that, but they need matching funds. You can't do it. You can't just go to the lottery fund and say give us the money. You've got to find matching funds. So I went to um, I went to. Alan Sugar and I said, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sir Alan, you know, it's lovely to meet you and everything like that. And I said, you know, is it, you know, would you be interested? Did you know the Hackney Empire? Because you're from Hackney. He said, I've never been there. And I said, right. He said, but my mum and dad used to go there. Uh, I said, right. He said, oh, every Saturday, yeah. I said, right. And he said, in fact, there's a very good, uh, a very good chance I was conceived there. So I, <laughs> I said, okay. I said, then I used to write him letters, you know. Mr. And just before Christmas one day, he rang me up. And I this has been going on for five years. He'd never give me money. But at five years, he said... Never give, not, not until this point, not a penny. No, no, no. So but this is just before Christmas. And he rings me up. He says, um, all right, Griff, uh, how much do you need? And I said, well, I've just, I've just been to a meeting, actually, Alan. And it's, we, we're, you know, we need the last, we're, we're, we've done quite well. We need, we need a million. And he said, all right, put me down for that. Happy Christmas. Wow. Isn't that incredible? So I said, that's fantastic. And I reached out on the phone and I rang Roland Muldoon and I said, Roland, I said, this is terrific. I've got you the, we've, you know, I've got two million. And Roland said, oh, Griff, he said, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, I just came out of that meeting. I was talking to Simon Thompson. When I said a million, it's actually, it's actually one, one and a quarter million. Oh no! I said, "Oh right, right." So I am the person who had to go back to Alan Sugar and say, <laughs> "I'm saying, oh, no. you know, when I said a million, Alan." <laughs> <laughs> I just, is there any way that it could be, you know, like one million two hundred fifty <laughs> And did he? He did. Yeah, he said, oh, God, yes, all right. Isn't that incredible? So it was just, uh, it was just one of those, uh, it was one of those, that is, I think. Good man. complicated ask that I've ever had to do. We had a hoot when James Acaster and Ed Gamble came on the show, award-winning comedians from the award-winning podcast Off Menu. You know, with creds like that, you expect the guys to be funny, but it turns out not every day's a funny day. Not when you're James Acaster, not when you're on stage at one of the biggest venues on one of the most important nights of your career. And you die. Not literally, obviously, he's here to tell the story, but professionally, you know what I mean. So, James, career suicide, how close have you come? Oh, it's quite hard to go. I think I've loads of different... <laughs> There's a few different times where 
I think maybe basically I, I went on a show called Live at the Palladium on ITV and decided to try out new material uh, instead Ooh, of doing uh, tried and tested stuff that I knew had worked <laughs> in the past. Um, I just was like, I clearly had no respect for the show, you know. Uh, the heritage, the yeah, prestige. I just decided that, oh, whatever, who cares? And um, But what I didn't know was that I was going to follow uh, a section where they basically had an old lady in the audience who was sat in the royal box. It was like in her 80s or some shit. And it was like her dream to be at the Palladium and sit in that royal box. And so they had a chat with her before bringing me on. And it was a really sweet chat. And they covered the fact that she basically throughout her life given most of her income to charity. So she was like the best person in the world. And then they said, as a little game, we're going to try and give you a chance to win some money now, Joan. And they asked her like three ridiculously easy questions, like quiz questions. Um, not not like, you know, not white wine question time level, like properly, like they were just asking her like absolute tappings, you know. And Joe Pasquale was going around the audience with a mic asking people if they wanted to help her with the answers and all this. And then she won 10 grand and they brought this big charity check in for 10 grand and gave it to her and said, what are you going to do with the money, Joan? And she said, I'm going to donate it to the children's hospice. And then everyone started crying that she was going to even donate that to charity. And then they brought me on to do comedy. With no buffer (laughs) in between, they just went, now welcome James Acaster, which is not how you do it. And Bradley Walsh was the host, by the way. This is a clunky gear change, yeah. He knows that's out of order, Bradley Walsh. Do you reckon? Bradley Walsh, he's been in the game long enough to know that if you're going to do a whole, a very long section where you give a sweet old lady who's currently, you know, having a dream night out, 10 grand, who then gives it to charity, you don't immediately go, now welcome a very funny man, James Acaster, without any buffer whatsoever. He knows that. Yeah, He's old school, isn't he, though? Because, so he probably thinks if you're good enough, you don't need... He probably Correct. does think that. Eddie's probably thinking, yeah. you're here because you're of a certain standard of professionalism. Yeah. yeah. But you're, he's probably you're thinking, thinking... He's not going to try out new material. Yeah, he's probably, probably not here to try out some new. James is thinking, where the hell are blue when you need them as, as a buffer? Yeah. But go <laughs> yeah, on, so what happened? Nice. So you buff. came on, you broke an old lady's dream night in what way? Well, I mean... Uh, my opening line, and I stand by this being funny, but I went on. I think I just said something like, "Oh, great! Now, I've, now I've got to follow that. Everyone's just seen the sweetest thing, sweetest thing ever, and now I've got to be funny." Thanks very much, Joan. <laughs> <laughs> no one liked that. <laughs> uh, no. Then also, it was the kind of crowd I'm not. I'm not used to performing in front of this crowd, Kate. This kind of, yeah. You know, no, I don't want to ruffle too many feathers. They were Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh how, could and you made... smell their politics? Is is how, yeah. how, how, how did you how did you fathom that? Just a very grisly audience, uh <laughs> physically. Um mainly composed of gristle. Um and uh arms folded, very much had enjoyed being in the company of Joe Pasquale and Bradley Walsh, and were not happy. <laughs> with this young buck walking on uh, and immediately sarcastically thanking an old lady who is officially at that point their favourite person in the world as yeah. well. She's a hero. 
And also, I'll tell you why yeah. this is like a career suicide thing as well. It's because, like, I knew in the moment that every decision I was making was the wrong decision and made it anyway. <laughs> and, yeah, so it wasn't like, oh, no, I've messed up. And I've like, it was it was like, I am deliberately going down the wrong route because I've decided that for some reason I don't like this show. I don't like anyone involved in it. And I'm now going to crash and burn. And, I, I, and so there's, as I was doing the new material, just giving it no chance whatsoever, commenting on how, how difficult the show was, commenting <laughs> on how, how impossible it was for, uh, for me to get any, any sort of laugh in a room like this. Just going, oh, I've, I've really screwed myself over here, guys. This isn't going to work. <laughs> also, like, I was doing a five-minute routine about squash where I didn't talk about anything else but squash, as in the drink, for five minutes. So when they didn't go for the first joke about squash, I immediately told them, bad news, it's this for five minutes now before I even get on to another topic and then continue to do the squash material. With uh, The only person laughing at me was Jordan Banjo and his mates. And just <laughs> getting nothing. Next, it's Vernon Kay, who spoke to us not long after leaving the castle, basking in glory, having won the hearts of the nation in last year's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And he told us a story about how he'd been a real-life hero. So Vernon happened to be in the States. My two friends, Nicole Appleton and Tamsin Outhwaite, were there on holiday. They bumped into one of his colleagues at the airport, and what unfolded was life-saving stuff. David Hasselhoff, listen and learn. I was with a friend of mine setting up a sports training facility. This is way back in the day. And some of the best sports training facilities are in America. So we were on kind of, uh, 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 we're doing a recce. We were doing some research. And there was a guy in Florida where we were, or where we eventually ended up, where we saw the girls, uh, who owned a facility that trained college athletes, American footballers, to prepare themselves for the NFL. And my friend uh, has the same middle name and surname, believe it or not, allegedly, so the story is told, of a Nigerian arms dealer. What? So I know, I know it's random, but What's it's a chances? fact. I know. So every time he goes to America, uh, he gets <laughs> hiked over by customs and excise, obviously, you know, because the Americans are very cautious at their borders. And Tamsin was in there as well. And they got chatting and they said, oh, I'm here with Vern. And, and they got talking... Uh, my mate recognised Tamsin and they just got chatty and chitty chatty. And he said, oh, I've just seen Tamsin Earthway in, in this like two hours later, by the way, in, in customs, in, in this holding pen. And we got chatting and, and they're here and they're in Florida. I was like, oh, okay. So basically, long story short, we, we hooked up. We spent an afternoon in the beach, in the sunshine, you know, catching up, gossiping, all that kind of stuff like you do with a couple of cocktails. And then we saw a lady uh, get taken away by the riptide in the sea. Uh, so, and and I jump up and jump in the sea. Adam follows me, but the funniest thing ever, right? And he'll probably tell the story better than me. I'm six foot four and I've got really long legs, right? So I look like a giraffe when I'm running, like bounding <laughs> along the beach. So for me to know that I have to dive into the sea, I have to go a little bit farther out from other people, right? <laughs> So Adam, as soon as he hits water, he dives in and this, the tide goes out the moment that he dives in, <laughs> right? 
and he just slaps the sound. And it's the funniest thing ever because you're caught between a rock and a hard place because this poor lady is screaming because she's being swept out to sea. And then Adam's just like, boom, put this massive face plant into the sand. That's how I recall it anyway. That, that's how the, the story goes in my head. And anyway, th- this woman was, was, she was basically drowning. And, and, and thankfully, I was quite tall. So I was able to just tippy-toe into where she was drowning. And, and we dragged her out. And, you know, someone called the, the ambulance. So in America, when you call an ambulance, you don't just get the ambulance. You get two fire engines, four ambulance and five cop cars because you've got to pay for it. So they think, ah, okay, someone's drowning. Well, let's send an ambulance. In fact, send four. Send three fire <laughs> engines as well. So literally, the whole of the Floridian uh, police service and the fire service arrived, it felt like. And and it turns out that the lady worked for ITV. How mad's that? And you saved Crazy. her life. Well, she was drowning. I'm sure Adam, once he'd recovered, would have been able to get out there if I didn't. But yeah, it was mad. Well, I remember getting the phone call that day from one of them going, you are never... Going to guess what happened today. Yeah, it was mad. It was bonkers. I'm going to leave you now with one of our favourite guests of all time, Daisy May Cooper, a creator of this country, a BAFTA award-winning comedian and writer, and, well, just an all-round good egg. I loved her. I loved her, and I wasn't alone. Now, of course, I've got to talk to you about the, the, the tawdry love triangle that brought us together. How brilliant. Talk to me about Captain John. I, the... I've blanked him. I've ghosted him, Dave. You ghosted to me. him. Do you know what? That really upsets me because he's ghosted me. What? So, <laughs> I know. He just fucking ghosted me. Fucking bastard. I could not believe when <laughs> this, this, John the sea captain fell into my lap. I think the first thing, and I'm sure you felt like this as well, is it's the, the picture of him and his little profile picture of him looking so kind of important at work. Well, do you know what's really freaky about that is that he looks like Hugh Edwards and Hugh Edwards lives in the next street to me in London. <laughs> and I thought, Hugh, bit lively. And then I realised, no, not Hugh. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Because obviously, now I, I so he slid into your DMs. He slid into I, my DMs. Yeah. And, and what made I, you want to respond to him? Because I just thought, because I, I never have done before, and I've had loads of these kind of messages, and it was just his profile picture. And I thought, do you know what? We'll, we'll have a bit of fun with this. And I think it was also <laughs> that you, you got that first message, the same message yes. I did. But it's just so bad. I mean, it's grammatically bad. The spelling's appalling. The it English is terrible. Sense. And the thought that somebody is is sort of push, putting that out there as bait and thinking that someone's going to go, oh, fuck, you know what? This He sounds like a normal, nice bloke just looking <laughs> for a relationship. Um. So then it right from there, and I had no idea quite how, I mean, extraordinary this guy would be. I just, and do you know what? People were starting to think that it was me that was writing these things. And I was saying, fuck it, it, it really is not. And that was so brilliant when he slid into your DMs. I thought, oh, fucking great. I've got somebody to back me up, this guy. <laughs> because it's, 
It, it the first one it, it just starts very very you know it's very anodyne it's like you know very badly written but fundamentally um i like your profile picture your your profile picture is of kerry mucklow <laughs> burning burning right and 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 then and then he strikes up a conversation and he calls it the thing that i find creepy about him is he calls us dear yes Dear, what's that all about? I mean, you there's a lot. There's a lot of creepy you know. that do the hi dear on your. You know, when you go into your not your your messages from people you know, but the other messages once in a while. Yes. There's a lot of hi dear, and you just go creep, creep, yeah. creep. But this one, well, obviously because you've been talking to him, I just thought I've I've got to go there. I've got to go there. But you really took him on a flight of fancy. <laughs> well, fancy actually. You started telling him that you were widowed that I was widowed that I also um had a successful dog cloning company <laughs> which you just kind of just took on without question I mean that that was what I, I as soon as he accepted me for for that I thought god I'm gonna be with you for the long time babe you're amazing and then you started sending him pictures of um uh Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> with your head superimposed saying this could be us so you, you 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 laid it out there, and then well, do you know what? Every time I sent stuff like that, I thought, right, this will be the thing that pushes it over the edge, and that he says, "Don't be so ridiculous." Especially, I mean, that picture with my head badly photoshopped onto Kate Winslet's face, and and Le and his onto Leonardo DiCaprio's, and said, "This could be us." And I thought, he surely he's going to come back and say, "You're taking the piss now." And he didn't. He said something no. like, what was it? He said something like, um, and he said, okay, yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> okay, fine. Yes, and where yes, are you from? Fine. And you said, are you a sea captain? He said, I'm from Georgetown, USA, but currently deployed to Syria for an undercover mission. And I am an office in the US <laughs> Army. Now, he told me he was in Yemen or Syria. I can't remember what his line of patter was, but it was slightly different to yours. He was in a different territory, um, but equally as as fantastic. And everything. Now, I think that's the massive mistake on his part because if you're gonna <laughs> spin a yarn, at least spin the fucking same yarn. Exactly. Because, because then you're gonna get well, you're gonna forget your own lies then. But my favorite. So, so, so basically, you told him that you were gonna fly out to Syria to meet him. <laughs> was, was it Syria? It was Syria, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and you sent him a picture of you looking out of the plane window and he absolutely cacked it. <laughs> and said, You can't come, I'm undercover. And oh you were like, too God. late, I'm in the air. <laughs> it was what was so funny though is how quick I mean, I, I literally said, Well, I can fly out and see you, and how quickly it was from the message I sent to then being on the plane in the air and he still just completely sort of bought it but, but by that imagine time... that would be my worst nightmare i mean poor bloke i tormented him really but well you, know, you, you gave him a dose of his own in fairness because he was trying to hit you up for 953 dollars to be transferred by the western union yes and then five what was it five thousand god i haven't yeah what was that for what was that, that was for? for oh an operation because he got a bit of bomb stuck in him <laughs> <laughs> and then sent me the picture do you remember of 
Um, I, I said, can you send me a picture of, of the wound, basically the wound, I didn't say that, but he sent me a picture of the doctor who turned out actually to be a famous doctor. Did you see <laughs> He that? just got off the internet, yeah. And he was in, he was stood in front of a blown up building in a pair of, in, in his scrubs. <laughs> so then, so then I get the message, right? And, and I think, oh my God, I can't, because I'd been following your story, just laughing and, and loving <laughs> Loving this lockdown tale of, of internet catfishing. Oh. So I sent you a DM, and we'd already DM'd a few times before that, saying, Days, I don't know how to break this to you, but that dirty old sea dog slid right into my DMs. And you <laughs> exposed him. You exposed him brilliantly. Because he, he'd gone on, he'd gone at MIA, and then he got yeah. back in touch with, hello, dear. And you went, don't you, hello, dear me. He said, <laughs> he said, what I do? You said, does the name Kate Thornton ring any bells? <laughs> but this is after you'd put up a video of me and you apparently waiting for him at Heathrow Airport. Does he not check your Instagram? Oh, no, I, I found a thing that I can block him from not looking at my stories. Oh, that's so brilliant. Just Yeah, so that was genius. Because he actually did see that I was posting all this stuff, but then kept talking to me. Do you remember right at the beginning? Yeah. Why you put? You know I'm undercover. Why are you posting? <laughs> but then the best of it was is that we ended up in the papers. So I'm round. I'm I'm like having a takeaway, a lockdown takeaway on a Friday night, and somebody went, "You're in the Evening Standard, the Metro, the this, the that," and and there well, there's me, you, and the sea captain, and it's. A, <laughs> like this has got out of hand. Well, the funniest thing is, can you imagine if his wife, the the real sea captain's wife, ever does a Google image of him and finds out that these two celebrities <laughs> in the UK have been fighting over this man? Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If we really did help to find your funny bone and you've laughed out loud and want to share the love. Don't let us stop you. I'm not going to stand in your way. Rate and review away, my friends. It really helps other people to find and discover the show. And don't forget, we're taking this bad boy out on the road. Yes, three shows, October, November, and our first one kicking off in September. September is with Craig Revel Hallward. Come and raise a glass with us. Get involved. There's Q&As. There's all kinds of stuff going on with the live shows. Then... In October, we're reuniting the cast of Grange Hill. We'd love you to be there to find out what's happened for Zamo, Tucker, Faye and the rest of the gang. And last but not least, in November, Julie Graham, Tracy Ann Oberman, Chamsin Outhwaite, Denise Welsh, Julie Newman and my good self will all be on stage talking about their online drama uh, filmed during lockdown for YouTube called done breeding tickets are available wherever you get your tickets from as always the show is produced by me kate thornton with libby Knowles and richard hatherall for yahoo uk our music is by andy bell i'm off back to the beach i'll see you next week adios amigos Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.